This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Just the atmosphere. It's something I've never played in before, obviously, with that many people in there and and seeing guys that I watched growing up and and now I'm on the ice with them. I think it's really cool and <laughs> something that's hard to explain, but it's a good feeling. I mean, I think it just creates another layer of offense, which is tough to defend. I mean, especially being a D when, they, when the other team has their D coming, firing too, it's creates a lot of a lot more opportunity for the other team and so when we had that going tonight it was very nice we had him down by the net so that was uh that was a big part of it for us tonight and Hedy's, you know the power play scored a few from up there but uh, we were moving around a little bit and, and you know ratty made some great plays down there and so it was uh great to see these kids rewarded oh great to see them all rewarded it was great to see them get two points I don't know if anybody had Darren Ryder scoring twice in this game for a <laughs> well, keys look, the game partner. The Lightning have not won many games in Minnesota. So if they were going to win a game in Minnesota, it was probably going to be one of those bingo cards that was a little weird, right? That is Three true. goals from defensemen, two for Darren Radish. He ups his NHL goal total from one to three. And he scored both of his goals basically right around the net. One was a wraparound, the other was... At the top of the crease. I know. The the wraparound. You know, look, we can get into <laughs> did did Mark Andre Fleury not play that well and Well, he's know, an aggressive whatever. goalie. He is an aggressive goalie. He's also an athletic goalie. But if you're gonna go on a wraparound, generally you're gonna have an easier time of it if you're wrapping it around on your forehand rather than your backhand. And that worked out perfectly for Radish and that He's a righty, and he came down the right wing, so when he went behind the net, he was able to wrap it around on his forehand. But it's also, Flurry didn't get over in time. He didn't. And Flurry's a pretty athletic guy, even his age. The, the instincts, though. You know, we've heard a lot about Radish, Dave, and his offensive abilities. It hasn't necessarily translated to the NHL. We have seen flashes in terms of maybe the shot, Mm-hmm. And and things like that, but a two goal game that can give somebody a lot of confidence moving forward to be able to make a play here and there. And for him, a guy who, let's face it, he can do some things from the back end offensively. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, and good for him for kind of figuring that out a little bit. Because I I think look, we've been talking about the lightning getting offense from the back end. And, you know, we're sitting here, we're talking about <laughs> Hedman and, and Sergachev, who's out basically as, as the two guys who can do that. I, I think there's something there in Radish who can provide a little bit of oomph mm-hmm. from, from that back end. It was great to see. Look, he, it wasn't just that he scored two goals. He played over 25 and a half minutes. I thought he was very good defensively. The Lightning yeah. were good defensively, too. So, I mean, the one part of this game was they got offense from some unexpected sources. I mean, Hedman scored, but, I mean, it's not like Hedman has 18 goals this year, right? I mean, yeah. he has six now, and the power play did convert. They got two goals from Radish, and we mentioned this on the air, Greg. The two goals came with, you want to call it the third line and the fourth line out on the ice. So the Lightning got contributions from some depth guys. I mean, you had assists from Glendening, Sherry, and Mott. 
Van Danning assisted on the first goal. Sherry and Mott assisted on the second goal. But the other part of this was the Lightning delivered a really strong defensive game. And it was in all the areas that we have been pointing out that have been deficient this year. They managed the puck well. They closed on guys in the defensive zone. They limited second chance opportunities. They checked. They won puck battles until the third period. They lost some puck battles in the third period. I thought Minnesota raised its level a bit. In fact, the Bogosian goal came after the Wild won a puck battle in the offensive zone, but we didn't see that for much of the game. So the Lightning knew they were taking on a team that was missing some of its firepower. And whether you're taking on a team that is fully healthy or or not, but I think it's especially important if you're facing a team that is not fully healthy and missing some of its pop offensively, what you have to do is make them earn it. And the Lightning made Minnesota earn everything that it got in the game, and Minnesota didn't earn very much. I mean, they held the Wild to 23 shots, probably single-digit scoring chances. I mean... That is a subjective number. I would trust what the Lightning coaches came up with. My guess is that if they hit double digits, it was barely double digits. And if you're going to look at the quote-unquote high-danger scoring chances, I'm hard-pressed to remember even one of them for Minnesota. So why was that? That was because the Lightning weren't coughing up pucks in dangerous areas. They weren't leaving guys unguarded in the middle of the ice. And that was why Minnesota struggled to generate very much in the game. They were obviously, I mean, they were flat in the game. We've seen the lightning be flat at home games. They have had, and the fans aren't very happy. I don't think the wild fans are very happy with their team's performance. Maroon tried to get them going. He fought Austin Watson in the second period when it was two, nothing lightning, but they never really got, in gear and i think the lightning deserve a lot of credit for that because they didn't they didn't allow minnesota to get any freebies no they didn't and a team that was wounded coming in i think that's what you wanted to see yeah absolutely i mean i think that was the the positive aspect of all of this so i think the lightning should feel good about this game i don't want to get too excited about a partner because like the season it's been up and down you know for the lightning i think what's promising and it's a tough task coming up on Saturday, is the fact that you have the Boston Bruins. Now, the Bruins are going to be motivated, and they're going to be ready to go. But that's a game the Lightning get up for. Mm-hmm. That's a game the Lightning shouldn't feel intimidated by the moment. I think the temperature in the game on Saturday will be much higher than the temperature was in the yeah. game last night. But you never know. I mean, sometimes the Lightning have gone into Boston and it's a little bit more of a methodical game. I mean, the Bruins typically win. Like, Lightning had trouble winning games in Boston, similar to Minnesota. But usually, based on the history between the teams, the temperature goes up. The temperature was up in the first meeting between the teams. The Lightning were definitely up for that game, which they won in overtime but they needed a late sixth attacker goal from Stamkos very late. And that got the game to overtime. Then Hagel won the game in overtime. 
Bruins are Bruins are a tough opponent. But I think what you're saying is I'm not sure we can read a lot into this game and and say, well, the Lightning have turned the corner defensively. I mean, they were taking on a wounded opponent, but they can't apologize for that. That's that's who was healthy and not healthy for Minnesota when they saw Minnesota. So what do you have to do when that is the case? You have to take care of business. And the Lightning took care of business defensively, but they were not fielding a full lineup either. Let's not forget that. And Minnesota was unable to take advantage of the fact that the Lightning had three guys playing in this game who have somewhat limited NHL experience. I'm including Radish in there because he had 17 games last year and that was it. And then you had Myers and you had Declan Carlisle who had a very strong NHL debut. What do you make of Declan? Played pretty well. Well, you heard the interview I did with Jeff Blaschel after the first period. And my question to him was, what do you say to a young guy making his NHL debut as a coach? And he said, we've heard that Declan plays with Moxie. That was the word Jeff Blaschel used. And, And what he said was, in his answer to the question I posed, often the difference between guys who come up who stay and guys who come up who don't stay is can they play with moxie? Can they play with confidence? Can they play with swagger? And he said, we encourage Declan to play with confidence. He's earned this. Now that he played with confidence last night, he made plays, he was decisive. How about the play in the second period? It was it was a, a chip out by Minnesota. The puck dropped in the neutral zone and, and Carlisle got caught a little bit in no man's land and that the puck didn't come to him. And the Minnesota player was, I think it was Marco Rossi, if memory serves, was skating at him. So Rossi got the puck. If it wasn't Rossi, I apologize. But whoever the forward was for Minnesota kind of tied up Carlisle and got the puck. Carlisle lost his stick. But he played it perfectly. He played the man, right? He just pushed the player yeah, down right, without his stick. What that's a the, pretty that's a pretty poised play for a guy making his NHL debut. What's the scanner? Now I'm glad it didn't him. happen on his first shift of the game, right? He was sure. well into the game at that point. But the people you talk to, partner, what is the scanner report on him? Well, I really haven't talked to many people about him because let's call him. I mean, he just yeah, he just got called up. I mean, look what what Blaschel said was he plays with Moxie. I've noticed that he can score like he. He had eight goals last year for Syracuse. He has three this year in a little under half a season. So I'm guessing he's got a pretty good shot. We might have to. He didn't show it as much last night. He had had one shot that missed the net. We'll talk to Lucas Favalli about this at some point. But you know what was encouraging? The Lightning had 30 shots in the game last night that went on net. 13 of those 30 shots, almost half, came from defensemen. Mm. I know the number was 10 of 20 after two periods. Yeah. And then had been scored in the third. Calvin DeHaan had seven shots on net. I'm not sure I remember all seven of those shots. I remember one of them. Remember when the play opened up for him in the second period? He had the puck like at the top of the circle. He looked up and there was nobody in front of him. Right. He was like, oh, I'm going to walk closer to the net. What am I going to do? Yeah, he took the shot. Flurry made a good save. I'm not sure I remember the other six, but he had seven. Radish had four. Yeah. Myers had one and Hedman had one. 
Perbix and Carlisle did not have a shot on net, but that's a very positive sign that the Lightning that were, were getting shots from their defense and they were getting through, but I say through, like Radish's two goals were right around the net. And give credit to Janot on the first goal. Laying, laying the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... Look, there are, there are different ways to impact the game. You'd like to see Tanner Janot do that every game. Yeah. Lightning held the puck in, right? So I talked yeah, about a puck battle right. one. Right. Wild were unable to clear. Radish had stepped down low, and Glendenning covered the right point, held the puck in, and took the shot and led to a rebound. Well, that get, and that was that's a good point, BU, because I think that gives Radish the confidence to be able to pinch like that. Yeah. He knew his teammate was behind and covering for him. But it started, I mean, in part with the big forecheck mm-hmm. from Janot. And that was that was really good to see, and I, I think the Lightning obviously build off that a little bit, and um, they escape with with two points. At I wouldn't radio. even say they escape. I mean, I guess going into the game, you're saying Minnesota's been a tough building for the Lightning. How are they going to do? But they earned it. They did what they needed to do to get a good result. You don't have to apologize. Absolutely for winning, not. Right? I mean, I I just I always. It's even that that saying about the conversation we had might have been this week or last week with you know a, a great head coach and you know what quantifies that and it's you have to have great players but you shouldn't be penalized for winning I mean that's that's what you're supposed to no. do and Minnesota has guys who can beat you you know what's the what's the saying we always say the other team they get paid too yeah and you know the lightning the lightning do as well. The Lightning needed a win like this, and it's not going to erase all of the the issues. But that's a really good start, and you know maybe they they took some mojo from uh, the call ups and and were able to to use mm-hmm. that a little bit and and get a win. I, whatever it was, it, it was positive. And I'll tell you this: I think that goal that Hagel scored potentially could get him going. I didn't realize it was 18 games. Yeah. 18. In part of, you we were wanna, talking about that the other yeah, day. Yeah, so you know what's good about that? Not it's not good that he went 18 games without a goal. I'm what sure is good about was, not scoring? No, because we didn't notice it. Because Hagel does so many other things well. We noticed him not shooting, though. That's what I noticed. And that's a problem. Like, we just talked about this on the show yesterday. And, and Phil has brought this up on the broadcast. Like, mm-hmm. Hagel became... He was passing up shots. I noticed that. Well, he, he did make one play where he passed the puck to Kucherov in the third period. I yeah. never saw a replay on that. I guess Fleury made the save. It looked like Kucherov had it. That's in the net like 19 times out of 20. Right. But I'm looking at Kucherov's line. He had two shots, and they were both on net. Oh, I'm sorry. He missed the net once. But that one, they did count as a shot did on Did Fleury goal. make a save? They they credited yeah, it as a save for Flurry. I never saw a replay on it because the play came down the other end, and then we had a TV timeout, and they they didn't show it. That's a great pass from Hagel. That's one where he should pass, and he got the pass across. But I'm looking at his line. He had five shot attempts. That includes yeah. the empty netter. I think he was he was looking to shoot. He had one shot in the slot. I remember. It was a pretty good shot. Sure. 
But he does a lot of other things well. I, I'm not. He does a lot of other things. I'm not. Well. He was getting his points, even though the goals were stuck at ten for him. But he's the type of player you want to you want to look at and say, okay. He's also, he also gets paid to score goals, and I just felt yeah. like he wasn't shooting as much. And sometimes when you go in a prolonged slump, what do we always say with shooters in basketball? You get to the free throw line. You just kind of see that that ball go through the hoop. I think in Hagel's case, you just see that puck go in, and yeah, let's see if that gets him going. I mean, I could see him having a big game in Boston. The intensity is going to be. He's high. played well against the Bruins too. I mean, yeah. even going back to his days in Chicago, he he would score against the Bruins. Yeah, I think he might have had a hat trick against them two years ago when he was with Chicago, but. He scored. Remember, he came to the Lightning and he struggled. Yeah, of course you remember that. One of the goals he scored was in Boston. He scored a shorthanded goal in Boston, and we just talked about it. he had the overtime winner against the Bruins in the game earlier this year. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think I think that that line did pretty well. I mean, we talked about Point and Kucherov going with Hagel on yesterday's show. I thought they drove play. They had a good game. That's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see. I'm looking at the ice time. It's kind of interesting. So the guy who played the least on defense of the 6D was Myers. Were you surprised by that? Well, he only played 11 shifts, which I guess is a little surprising. I mentioned how much Radish played, 25-41. And... Carlisle played 20 shifts. So he played nine more shifts than Myers. He played 11-27. I guess that's a little surprising. Yeah, interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but, you know. But it shows that they had confidence in Carlisle. They kept sending him out there. Yeah. Right. And I don't... (laughs) It's one game. It's one game. So you get another start? Maybe Day comes in. Well, look, I'm looking at uh, nothing came out after the game. I'm looking at Myers' ice time. He only had two shifts in the third period, if I'm seeing this right. And his final shift came with about eight minutes left. So maybe he was just the odd guy out. But I think it speaks well of Carlisle that they used him as much as they did. Well, and the thing about Carlisle, too. and, and He was out of the end of the game when the game was basically over. So they right. gave him the last 41 seconds to, to be on the ice when the game ended. And coaches can be a little superstitious. They may go. He may go with the same lineup. Yeah. I would like to see Day get in. You like Day. I like Day, yeah. I thought Carlisle Day-o. and Day both played well in the preseason. Yeah. Well, you got you got a couple of guys. Let's see what they can do. Yeah. I mean, you know who stepped up really well too? I mean, we're kind of praising the defense. Connor and we Sheriff. should because because they played well as a team defensively and the defensemen played well. I thought Perbix had a great game. I think he was pumped to play in yeah. front of friends and family. Did you hear the interview? I mean, I know you I did because we I were did. talking. Yeah, you cut me you off. Had like a hundred right people him. there. <laughs> <laughs> so like that can go one of two ways, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I got a hundred people here. But he made the most of it. He yeah. was engaged in the game. 
I thought he was very good in his own zone last night. He's one of those guys that I think, again, the word is used a little bit over and over again, a microcosm of of the lightning, but he's been up and down. And to some extent, that's you understand that. Mm-hmm. Young defenseman, you're going to have you're going to have those moments. I mean, what what is the number? Two hundred and fifty games played. You hear that number? You talk to around. different people. John yeah. Tortorella is the first What's guy he I heard say that. He said three hundred. But what does Brian Engblom say? I don't know. I don't think I've ever asked him. But I bet if, the number is a little lower now because these guys come in. I mean, we're seeing younger and younger players. It's not that they're younger when they get to the NHL, although that's part of it. The impact that they're having at a young age, I think, is more prevalent around the league now. Look at look at this Brock Faber. Who had, I mean, he didn't have a particularly memorable game, but there's no question that he is a terrific player. He's 21 years old. Leading their team in average ice time. That's true. That is true. Well, I shouldn't say that. Spurgeon might be higher, but Spurgeon's been out most of the year. So, Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> the players you mentioned who Minnesota does not have on their team is is uh, eye-opening. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. But the Lightning still took care of business, and that's what you want them to do. And, and look, Minnesota was shorthanded, not in terms of the lineup that they fielded. They fielded a lineup of 18 skaters, but they were missing some firepower. But you know what? It's not like the Lightning put them on the power play four, five, six times either. So the Lightning took care of business in that regard as well, and that they were shorthanded only once, which helped. That is going to be a key tomorrow against the Bruins. That Boston power play poses problems. It's pretty good. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. How about Al? Always can rely on Al. Mm-hmm. He said, how about this twisted scenario? Minnesota's dropped out of a playoff contention. Tampa Bay is still in it. Come the trade deadline, the Lightning give Minnesota their seventh-round pick. <laughs> Al, you like things buttoned up, don't he you? He does. He does. How about Bogosian scored? I thought he... Uh, look, how do you look? Uh, Minnesota didn't have a great game, but he was pretty solid back there. Scored his first goal of the year. I mean, I look. I I like Bogosian. You could sit here and say, let's let's see what some of these younger guys have, and and now maybe you've created depth, and you don't need to think about guys like that and bringing him back. But you know, I I, I always like Bogosian. Uh, Basil says, how can Dave say that the fans have no control over the outcome? What about my lucky shirt? I would have a lot more personal freedom if I knew that my behavior did not influence the outcome. Yeah, that was from yesterday's was. show when when I we talked that. about how fans ride the roller coaster. But you know what? Coop credited the crowd in that home game against Montreal, right? Yeah. So I take it back. I take it back. The fans can have an impact on the game. The fans were not particularly engaged in the game last night in Minnesota, which is rare because they have a great fan base. But it was just one of those games. It was flat for Minnesota. Yeah. And the Lightning deserve credit for that. If you're going to have a flat game between two teams, you definitely want to be the road team. 
not the home team. That is, that is true. Um, this question comes from Doug. He says, guys, you talked about the goaltending the other day. How do you think the Lightning handle the goaltending with Johansson and Vasilevsky? I think they ride Vasilevsky. Now, what does that mean exactly? What do the Lightning have left? Like five back-to-backs, that's it? Yeah. Does that mean that Jonas Johansson is going to play five games between now and the end of the regular season in those back-to-back sets, and that's it? I, I have no idea. I think he's going to get those five games for sure. But look at the schedule, Greg. Look how it's look how it's playing out for the Lightning. They've played 40 games. They are among the league leaders in games played, which is not good in terms of their points percentage. Where it is good is the teams that have games in hand are going to have a more condensed schedule in the second half. The Lightning are not. So, for example, in January, I mean, the Lightning have one back-to-back. And it's where they play a Saturday afternoon game in Buffalo, and then they play like Sunday late afternoon, early evening in Detroit, which is not a rigorous back-to-back because it's not a middle-of-the-night flight. The game in Buffalo, I think, is at 1230 in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah. Now, I would expect that Johansson is going to get one of those games. But the rest of the month, I mean, the Lightning really don't have a rigorous schedule. So why wouldn't they play Vasilevsky? every game I think it makes sense and look at their standings position for sure yeah I mean I think that's we've we've said this Doug you're gonna ride Vassy and Coop has mentioned that you know listen he basically didn't have a training camp you could make the case first couple of weeks he came back that's that's his training camp working himself in but you know look I I believe this. I mean, I think every time he he gets on the ice, he's got an opportunity to to be the best player. And the more he's on the ice working mm-hmm. back from that that injury, that surgery, he gets a step closer of being that that goaltender that the Lightning rely on so often. I mean, do you think the fans who asked that question, by the way, about Doug. Johansson? Doug. Doug. Like, is Doug concerned that Johansson is not going to get more starts? Is he concerned that Vasilevsky is going to get too many starts? I mean, I think the Lightning, look, they're in the business of winning games. And if they can ride Vasilevsky and play him a lot without stressing him because they have rigorous travel or they're, you know, condensed schedule or lots of back-to-backs or whatever... They're going to do it, I think. Yeah, I I actually think some of this stems from if people still believe that Vassy's not back and are, I don't want to say panicking, but are, are looking at Johansson his first 20 games. Mm-hmm. And obviously they were very good. And basically saying, you know, hey, let's not abandon ship, but let's let's play Johansson a little bit more if Vassy's not going to be great. Because you heard that narrative a little bit last year that that Vassy's play was a was a little not up to par from the level we had seen in previous years. And I don't know if the fact that he even said after the playoffs he wasn't a hundred percent 
and the surgery happens and, and that people were just like, okay, well, if that's the case, you know, let's, let's play Johansson a little more. Vasi was a bit off, but maybe also too, you give him an opportunity to rest and come back a hundred percent. Well, he's rested though. He I, had six and a half you. months. I would agree with you. He's got to knock the rust off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing you got to play. You got to play your top dog. You, you know, look, Tom Brady goes down and he comes back and he'd been out a month. You're playing Tom Brady when he comes back and you're just going to ride him. I don't think Vasilevsky has been at the level that we have seen him at, but I don't think that he has been like a, the position has not been a problem area for the lightning this year. And that includes when Johansson was playing 17 of the first 20. And it includes the next 20 when Vasilevsky's played the, the vast majority of the games. But I think that he can, we have seen Vasilevsky at a higher level than what he has showed so far this year. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. This question comes from Peter, and he wants to know, guys, what do you make of Tanner Janot's play so far this year? You've talked about him before, providing some depth scoring. I think when he's physical, he's at his best. Well, you just mentioned him, the role that he had in the first goal. He didn't get a point out of it. Yeah. How about that check on Hartman right at the beginning of the oh. game? Glad that Hartman wasn't seriously injured on that. That's why they curve the glass in the area between the benches from that play a few years ago when Chara checked Pacioretty. Similar type play. And Pacioretty went face first into basically like a pole. Now it's curved. I mean, I'm sure it still didn't feel good for Hartman, sure. but he was able to come back before the end of the first period. But, you know, I I agree with, with the fan. Like, Janot is at his most effective when he is being physical. You know, you know what's interesting about Janot? And I'm not comparing him now, per se, because I think... T- <sighs> Tom Wilson has turned himself into a very good player. All-star like a, a, Tom Wilson. Yeah. He's the but Washington Wilson, he's the Washington submission. He also didn't score a lot early on in his career. No. But when you say early on in his career, remember, he was a first-round pick who got to the NHL at a very young age. It's true, it's a good point. So he had to grow into the role, I think. All I'm saying is in terms of the build and the f- fear may be too strong of a word, but I think when Janot's on the ice, I think people are looking around. I think he can pose some similar problems. And then that first year Janot has where he scores, how many goals what was it? 25? 24, 24, I think. 24, yeah. and 24, maybe that 25. Was, maybe that was the outlier. You just, you don't, you, you want him to stay physical and be imposing because I think he can impact the game that way. But I, I think there's a little Tom Wilson feel to him. In terms of just, he's nasty. And I think when he does that, I, I think he becomes more engaged and and tough to play against. Their line had a good game last night. It yeah. wasn't only because they were out of the ice on the, the first goal. They had a lot of ozone time. And Janot was a part of that. Yeah. They get him going a little bit. That's 
and and make that type of impact every game using his body, I think that would be effective. Mm-hmm. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. This comes from Steve. He wants to know, guys, what do you make of Nick Paul's performance so far this year? He came on like gangbusters when the Lightning first acquired him, but it feels like he has cooled off since then. Well, he had a horrendous slump in the second half of last year. Yeah, I remember he scored in Seattle in mid-January. And am I remembering this right? He didn't score again for the rest of the regular season (laughs) until game five of the playoffs. He has had a more consistent scoring touch this year. and, And being on the first power play unit has helped him pad his goal total. Look, I think he's been pulling the rope offensively. Scored a huge goal against Vegas, that's for sure. Did we think he was going to take off after his playoff run that first year? In other words, is he going to be a 30-goal scorer? I I think a lot of people looked at that because how many times did we talk about, like, wow, what did did the Lightning find here? Yeah. And what was Ottawa's problem? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's fair to expect that same level of play but it's because he came on and played really well. Well, on the other side of it is he's got it in him. I mean, he didn't look into those goals. They weren't Listen, all like tap-ins at the side of the net. He earned them. You've brought that point up about Brandon Hagel when you and I were discussing about what's his upside, and I was kind of like, oh, look, I mean, this guy's getting chances. He's not scoring. And you were like, look, I, I, I think he can do it. I know he can do it because he did it before. So it's in him. Yeah. Well, look, what Paul has, the reason I would say that Paul has the capability of doing it is, first of all, he has got a wicked shot. Would you call it elite? Well, I mean, one reason why his goal total isn't higher, and this is two reasons, but I'm going to lump it together. I think he probably could shoot more, and maybe that's, tied to is he putting himself in a position to use his shot i don't know the answer to that and second of all i think it's it's not as accurate as maybe it needs to be for him to score more regularly he's not picking those corners consistently i i think that he zips it and we we hear it like smash off the glass or smash off the boards like he's just missing the net and I think maybe that's the case this year. Last year when he got into a slump, it was just nothing was going for him. Like yeah. he was having trouble generating chances. I think this year he's getting some looks and his shot has not resulted in the goalie having to make saves. That's basically the way I'm putting it. But the shot body. is not the shot is not left him. Like he can I maintain he may have the hardest wrist shot on the team. Understanding there's some guys who can really shoot the puck. On the lightning. The other part of it is that like he has shown the ability to make plays with his stick. I mean, how about that goal he scored in game seven against Toronto yeah. a couple of years ago? He's a big, strong man who can stick handle and put himself in a yeah. position, I would think, although maybe it hasn't happened as much this year, to be able to use his shot. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Prior to him arriving with the Lightning, his goal total was never, like, eye-popping. 
And last year he was on pace to eclipse 30 goals. And then he hit that slump in the second half of the year. I, I, I don't, say, I mean, he's having a good year. I mean, he's going to hit 20, right? I would think so. I think he's on pace for 20. I mean, would you take that from Nick Paul? Probably. You know, I think all things considered, I think that's a fair. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say. He's got 11 goals in 40 games this year. So over 80 games, that's what, 22? I mean, you would take Good that. Good job with the math there. I mean, you know, how to use my hand. <laughs> it, it's it's basically, that's that's how it goes. So I think some of that is the start he had to his lightning career. I think some of it is just yeah. looking at his skills and thinking, is this somebody who can give you more? Because he does have that shot. But I think you bring up some valuable uh, valuable points. And he's going to get lumped in a little bit with Brandon Hagel too because of when those guys came over and mm -hmm. the production. And, and Hagel, it felt like, and it still does, took that next step to really becoming a dynamic offensive player. Yeah. And maybe it's because his speed stands out too. It's a little easier to, to see what he can do. But, and this kind of goes back to Hagel scoring and, and shooting more. I think I think at least for me I I'd, I'd like to see that and we'll see if it you know we'll see if it plays out that way at Bolts Radio uh if you want to get involved in the conversation you can Go ahead partner Are you gonna say No something? I had nothing more to add Do you know, have the, more questions or uh, let me check my my If we don't phone. I can talk but <laughs> in my know. trusty phone um this one came from Tom he said would you make of Mark Andre Fleury do you still think this is his last year? You had a chance to see him in net. So I will tell you, because it, it happened after we were off the air, because we did tape ahead of, of the skate yesterday. So I, I had a chance to go into the Minnesota room with Brian Engblom. I had never met Marc-Andre Fleury before, in part because I don't always have an opportunity to go into the visiting room or the other team's room. And usually the starting goalie is not one to talk on game days. Flurry is kind of like Marty Brodeur, though. Marty Brodeur was, was well-known for not really caring if it was a game day. He would talk to anyone. Brian tells the story. It was like game seven of the Stanley Cup final. He was just sitting in his stalls like, any other questions? So he was very laid back. Talking about Brodeur, Flurry as I guess, the same way. So... Brian and I had a conversation with him and yeah, what a, what a great guy. I mean, you would probably know this from, from his days in Pittsburgh, but you know, engaging, gregarious, friendly, great teammate, great attitude, you know, never had a bad day. If he did, you, everybody know says he's, he's like the best teammate ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, he had a big smile people. on his face, and we, yeah. we talked to him a little bit about I asked him the question about, like, a thousand games, do you think playoff games should count? I, I never really understood why in hockey, and I, I think it's true in some other sports too, these milestone numbers are regular season-only numbers. And you might say, well, some some players get to play in the playoffs more than others. Well, Maybe they were good players, right? Yeah, right, right? And they played on good teams. It's the same as, you know, a player gets hurt, doesn't play as much. It just that's so you think playoffs well the numbers. What I was asking, go. you know, do you I asked 
I asked Flurry this, and we were we were in the room when Joe Smith was talking to Vasilevsky the day before. And I asked Vasilevsky, do you think playoff games should count? Because we were talking about Flurry. He's like, playoff games should count like two, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, and Flurry right. said the same thing. I mean, think of the games that those guys have played in the playoffs, and they don't count toward this this milestone number. You know, Brodeur's games played and wins, he's first in both. They're not including any of his playoff numbers. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. But I was asking Flurry about that. He's he he agreed that, you know, playoff games take a lot out of you, basically. And he's had a long career and he's played a lot of games in the playoffs. But I don't know if this is going to be his last year. Brian asked him about playing the sixty to sixty-five games that that goalies used to play regularly and now they don't. And he kind of said, Yeah, I don't know if I could play sixty-five games anymore. But he kind of conceded that that seems to be more of a coach's decision than a goalie decision, right? He's like, if you ask any goalie, they'll want to play 65 games. What goalie doesn't want the net, right? Vassy would play every one of them, wouldn't he? Vassy would play 82 if he could. You're probably right. So that's not really an answer to the question. But for now, Flurry is going to be playing a lot because Gustafson is injured. And, you know, he can run with it. And he also has a head coach that has a history with him, too. I think that also helps. I've never seen a situation. You know, you think about his career going off the, the down the rabbit hole a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to have the numbers. He's got the rings. Think about a couple of the places he's been. Pittsburgh, the way it ended. You know, kind of, we're going to move him out and play Matt Murray. And then Vegas. Yeah. Everybody talks about Vegas and the way they handled that. And what's the famous picture that his his agent had where it was a knife going on the back of Mark yeah. Andre Fleury on Twitter? I mean, you know, Dave, for a guy who is going to be in the Hall of Fame, that's odd. I suppose that he, that's true, but it does not seem to have affected his demeanor. It hasn't outlook. affected his no, but it's it's just weird that a player of that caliber would have endings like that. And the guys that that those teams decided to to plant their flag with, if that's the right way of putting it, are no longer there, right? Matt Murray in Pittsburgh, and it was Robin Leonard, right, yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. And the thing about Murray, and I've told you this before, I don't think many people fault the decision. Murray had played well. He was young. And probably more importantly, he was the cheaper option. Mm -hmm. It's just, it totally backfired. Yeah. You know? And to Vegas's credit, I mean, they've won despite having how many goaltenders did they play last year? Five. And then two in the playoffs. It's incredible. You know? Incredible. Well, Flurry turned 39 on November 28th. So, look, that is that is up there for an NHL goalie. But there have been goalies that have played into their late 30s and early 40s. Andy Moog. Right? How late did he play? I thought he was in I thought he was late 30s. I'm going to have to look that up now. 
I mean, Brodeur played a long time. I mean, to get to his games played number, I understand that he was playing like 70 a year or whatever, but he had longevity as well. Yeah. For sure. Who knows? I got to look up Brodeur now and see how old he was. And I'll look up uh, Andy Moog. It's Andy Moog. Yeah, I, I mispronounced his name. I'm trying to multitask here. All right, Brodeur was a 72 birthday. And he played, he played part of the 2014-15 season. So that means he was, what, 42. Wow. When he retired. What was Dominic Hoshik? I feel like he played for a while, didn't he? Age-wise. Yeah, well... How many years was he in Detroit? I'm trying to remember. Let me look up his age. Yeah, so Hashik was a 65 birthday, and he played. Yeah, you're right. He played to 0708. He, he was won the 43? cup with Detroit. Yeah. How about so? His kind last of the year? same as Brodeur and Hashik were similar. Hashik was was older when he broke into the NHL, though, than Brodeur. He was 26. 26. Yep. And then who was the other one you asked about? Andy, Andy Moog. Moog. That just stood out that he played line. It was 37. There you go. Moog was 37. You beat me to it. Yeah. Late 30s. I mean, that's... You know, they have a picture in the Minnesota press box of like the greatest, some of the greatest moments in wild history. And the one I remember, I remember watching this. Andrew Brunette, now coach with Nashville. Played much of his NHL career in Minnesota and Colorado. While he was playing for Minnesota, they faced Colorado in a playoff series. They were down 3-1, but they won games 5, 6, and 7, 5 and 7 in Denver. They won game 7 in Colorado in overtime. Brunette scored the overtime winner against Patrick Waugh. It was Patrick Waugh's last game. That picture is in the press box That's pretty in cool. Minnesota. Brunette played over a thousand games in his career. Pretty he good was player. a really good player. I was to say, pretty good player. He broke in. He uh, do you have his numbers there? He was I drafted do. by Washington. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yep, because he old. played in Baltimore and Portland. Baltimore first, and then the team moved to Portland in the AHL. They were Washington's affiliate. You know whose coach was Barry Trotz. Nice. You know who hired him in Nashville? Barry. Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. Yeah. Brunette, Washington, Nashville, Atlanta. So he played for Trotz in Nashville mm-hmm. as well. Minnesota, and then he ended in Chicago. He didn't play for Colorado? He did. Oh, okay. Three, I yeah, thought yeah, I was... Three years in between there. Yeah. His longest tenure was in Minnesota, though, was it not? 489 games. Colorado was second at 246, followed by Atlanta at 158. Wah was 37 when he retired. He had an October birthday, so he turned 37 that last year. That feels right. That feels right. right. He also came into the league as a 20-year-old. Yeah. Tom Barrasso. See, now, now we're going down a, a rabbit <laughs> yes. hole, but I, 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 I want to do Well, it. we ran out of questions, so we're... Uh, Tom Barrasso was 37. 
yeah, his last he, game. But again, you're looking at when he ended. Look when he started. He was an 18. He was 18 kid. years old. Yeah. 18. Magical run. I think he won the Vesna in the Calder. 18 year old. I think he played with, uh, was he teammates with Dave Anderchuk that year? Oh, yeah. That'd have been right. Yep. Buffalo teams had some good teams. Yeah, he was Anyways. with Andy for a number of years in Buffalo. I don't think many people in Pittsburgh liked him. <laughs> well, he was a little ornery, wasn't he, with the media? I Am I remembering little, that right? I think little is probably being nice. But why would the fans care about that as long as he played well, which he did? I just think that personality doesn't lend itself well. Mm. You know? You don't you come off standoffish, you don't talk to the media. I think some people take offense to that and you know it is. But he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Interesting. So as long as he played, he played a long time. He was at, I'm looking at the numbers here. Again, this is regular season only. 777 games. Yeah. So he was still well over 200 games short of 1,000, which speaks to Fleury's accomplishment. Do you look at Marc-Andre Fleury as elite? The fact that you're hesitating me. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the cachet. I think he has. He put together a lot of really good years and did it over a long, long period of time. But was he a shut-the-door type of goalie? Like the guys that we've also talked about here, like a Hashik or a Wah or a Brodeur? I'm not sure history views him in that category. I think that's fair. But I didn't I didn't yeah, watch I him fair. as much as you did. Yeah, no, I think that's in Pittsburgh. fair. It's it was unusual watching a goaltender of his caliber have sometimes those inconsistencies. He is a Hall of Famer though, and He is. And we've talked about this and maybe we can either move on to another topic or look at to Boston, which we won't have a show tomorrow so we'll just have the game but you're like how if you're a bad team how do you become a really really good team well if you're really bad you get high draft picks you need to cash in on those high draft picks now sometimes you were limited by the depth of the draft or the the supremely elite talent at the top of the draft right some drafts are are deeper than others some drafts have a bedard at the top or a mcdavid at the top or here's my example, a Crosby at the top. But the Penguins, after a handful of bad years, got four pit. Actually, they had three bad years, but they benefited in a way from the lockout, right? Because one bad year netted them two high picks. But in a four-year span of drafting, they drafted first overall, second overall, first overall, second overall. They got three. And the Hall of four Famous. players that they got were Flurry, Malkin, Crosby, and Jordan Stahl. I mean, and that's, that's how they dunk. ended up going on to win the cup in that's 09. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, it was other guys too. And they had the coach. You know, they made the coaching change that you year. You sprinkle in a Chris Letang in a third round. Right. Yeah, it wasn't only those four, but if you hit on, on those Dave. four, you get. Four years in a row of picking first or second, 
and you cash in and look, Crosby was a no brainer, but let's not forget they won the lottery to get Crosby. Yeah. Had they picked second, they would have had Bobby Ryan instead, who had a good NHL career, but so they got a little lucky there, right? Like the year they picked second, they got Malkin because Ovechkin went first. I mean, Malkin's a Hall of Famer. Right. So that's part of it, right? Like you can't have the nail Yakupovs. No. First overall. No, you can't. You can't. Let's touch on Boston quickly and then mm-hmm. we'll sign off here. Surprisingly, they gave up six. Shock. I know I know Pittsburgh Shocking. can score. But look, they're rolling right along. I mean, so Boston is five, three, and two in the last ten. Does it matter to the Bruins if they finish in first, if they finish in second? No. I, mean, I mean probably not. They're on their way to make the playoffs. But again, how are they doing it? Defense. Goals against under a hundred. Right. Thirty seven games played. I mean, don't look now though. The lightning are and that's after they gave up six. Right. I'm sorry, don't look now what? Lightning in a playoff spot. Well, the points percentage is where it needs to be. I know. I know. So what are the Bruins doing well? They are defending. They are a top five defensive team, and that's after they gave up six goals to Pittsburgh. Their power play is excellent, twenty seven percent. Not quite as good as the Lightnings, but pretty darn good. Their penalty kill. 85.5%. 85.5%. That's third best mm. in the league. What is a little surprising is they are allowing more shots than they are taking. But I think this is what I think about the Bruins. The Bruins defend very well as a team, and then their elite guys are continuing to score. The Pasternaks, the Marshans, McAvoy from the blue line. Zaka has really fit in well there. But to me, it's about how they play as a team and how hard it is generally. Pittsburgh's an exception last night, but generally it is very hard to generate scoring chances on them. They'll be ready to go. They'll be they'll ready be, to go. They'll be, they'll be much better. This loss won't sit well with them, but no. you know what? I mean, that can go one of two ways. Maybe it doesn't sit well with them, but you know, maybe there's a little chink in the armor there and and it it goes to confidence right like did they did they lose a little bit of their swagger by giving up all those goals i don't know we're gonna find out tomorrow night we are gonna find out and we'll have that for you here on these airwaves and then dave and i'll be back at it again on monday yes we will where the schedule starts to become very favorable for the lightning you got a four-game homestand with with lots of time in between the games particularly life, between life game will be three good. and four yeah. yeah life will be good all right partner i appreciate you i'm going to talk to you on saturday for the game and then we'll be back at it on monday for what we do which is breaking it all down sounds good all right talk to you tomorrow night You got it, sir. Thank you to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I am Greg Lanella. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.